0: We had a marvelous time in Israel. Um, The going there is filled with excitement and anticipation. Being there is a rich and blessed experience. The trip home is a pain in the neck. I mean, what could I tell you? You just feel like you're never going to get there. You're squeezed into these little seats and they bring you a meal on the airplane and you're trying to cut the thing and you're spilling things on the person next to you and vice versa and it's just a, uh, yeah, we suffered for Jesus, what could I tell you? And then you come home and you, you, you know, you, tr- you, you go through, you try to get back to normalcy and so you go through... Well, I'll just show you a sampling here. You go through your clothes, you know they have to be washed. I had this one over there in Israel, uh, and uh, you know about this. This is a bluebell shirt right there, and it, it's 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 old. I mean, I've had this thing for many many years. I was going to get rid of it, but someone said you should keep it. It'll be it's going to be a collector's item here pretty soon. But it's. You know, it's an old shirt. We don't old stuff. We don't usually value old things. So I was thinking of disposing uh, or getting rid of that. And then you go through your refrigerator. You know, you didn't, clean it, you didn't clean it up so good before. You lost those stuff. You take out the food. This What was in here was from Central Texas Barbecue. You know about that? That's like the best barbecue in the universe for sure. And I had a big old baked potato in here, you know, and When I went to get it, I remember before we went to Israel, my wife said, "You know, just you could get a baked potato. Just tell them, you know, to hold the, uh, you know, the butter and stuff like that. You know what I mean?" Well, I'm not going to tell them to hold anything. Put on everything you want to in there. I'm paying for it. So, there you go. And I didn't finish it before we went to Israel. So it's old. It smelled. It was kind of moldy. So, you know, with old stuff, you you discard old. You don't want old stuff. And and then. uh, I brought this back from Israel. This is a Bible. And uh, you know about this. And and then, uh, do you know part of the Bible is old as well? And since old stuff, old shirts, old food, you want to get rid of it, I decided to rip out the old part of this Bible here. You know, we don't really need it, and I'm just going to... It's old, right? So I'm going to just get rid of the Bible. The old, it's the Old Testament, the old part of the Bible. We don't really... We don't really need that. Let's keep the new and better part of the Bible. So that's what I did when I got back from Israel. You know, just just uh, responded to the old stuff the way I I did uh, I did here, and and uh, then I started to prepare for our our time together tonight. And I was looking at a verse of scripture, and uh, it's part of the the new the new part of the Bible, the New Testament. It's in Romans. Uh, chapter uh, 15 verse 4. That's all we're going to look at tonight because I, I w- wasted too much time with the old stuff, the shirt, the food, you know, and ripping out the old part of the Bible. And uh, so I decided, you know, during the week to prepare for tonight and read the new part of the Bible. And when I got to Romans 15 verse 4, it said, uh, for whatever was written in earlier times... Paul's writing here, you, that's how he's referring to the Old Testament. That was written in earlier times from his perspective. So he said, whatever was written in earlier times, he's referring to the Old Testament. You know, books like Leviticus and uh, Numbers and even Chronicles, there's like two of them, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. He's referring to all that. He said, whatever was written in earlier Times she said, was written for our instruction. And then I quickly, oh my goodness, I, I read this and, and, uh, and I, I, I figured, oh my goodness, I, I discarded and devalued the old part of the Bible. So what I need to do is quickly get it back and tape it together and put it back in there. Because uh, according to this verse in the new part of the Bible, the old part of the Bible still has value. I kind of I kind of desecrated here a little bit. I need some duct tape. I wish I had read Romans 15.4 before I turned it. You you got some, Greg? Oh, and your pickup. Okay, go now and get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, camo tape. Wow, even... It's Marine Corps tape. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You should use it over here, if you know what I mean. I'm just... That's uh, for Marines. but then so, so I'm saying, oh, no. You know, old stuff I, I devalued. But Paul here, he's saying, no, 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 no. The old part of the Bible, what was written in earlier times, he said, don't you get it? It was written for our instruction. And so the very thing I, well, the very thing many of us devalue, uh, uh, Paul highly values. He, in essence, is saying, oh, no, you shouldn't discard or ignore the first part of the Bible, because what was written in earlier times was written uh, to give us benefit. It's written for our instruction. But you know, but you say, wait a second, Paul. The, but but the old part of the Bible that was written to a people group much different than us, in, in a day much different than ours. It, it, that's true. Uh, uh, but the Old Testament, though it is not written. To us does not mean it is not written for us. It has much, according to this verse, it's written for our instruction. But admittedly, there's a lot in the Old Testament which is really tough going, quite confusing. Don't you agree? For instance, let me read this passage to you from Exodus. Tell me what you get out of it. It says, then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand and its base and its shaft are to be made of hammered work. Its cups, bulbs, flowers shall be of one piece with it. Six branches shall go out from its sides. Three branches of the lampstand from its one side and three branches of the lampstand from its other side. Three cups shall be shaped like almond blossoms in the one branch, a bulb and a flower. And three cups shaped like Almond blossoms in the other branch, a bulb and a flower. So for six branches going out from the lampstand and in the lampstand, four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. Are you taking notes? A bulb shall be under the first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming out of it, for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. Their bulbs and their branches shall be of one piece with it. All of it shall be of one piece of hammered work of pure gold. Then you shall make its lamps seven in number, and they shall mount its lamps so as to shed light on the space in front of it. Its snuffers and their trays shall be of poor gold, pure gold. It shall be made from a talent of pure gold. With all these utensils, see that you make them after the pattern for them which was shown to you on the mountain. Now, that's the Old Testament right there. That's the part Paul says, you know, of, uh, he said, it was, whatever was written in earlier times, written for our instruction. Do you find that instructive? I mean, good night. I'm, How do you apply that to you today? It's tough. That's just one of many such difficult passages. We wonder, what is instructive about that for me today? Well, I think Paul would say, hang in there. Uh, there's no fat in any part of the Bible, including the Old Testament. It's the Word of God. Therefore, wrestle with it. Stay with it because there's a benefit in it for you. And you say, what specific benefit is there from all this, Paul? Well, here it is. It's, it's hope. And this is what he says in the rest of verse 4, Romans 15. He says, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That's what he said. Yeah, hope, even from that passage in Exodus that I read to you. Hope, that's a very valuable and necessary commodity today, don't you think? Because the events of the day can cause us to be so hopeless. I made the mistake of trying to keep up, catch up with the news when I got back from Israel. These are some of the headlines I saw uh, even just today. Tell me if these give you hope. Uh, Here's one. Authorities have little hope for 12 missing in Texas floods. ISIS claims to be infinitely closer to buying nuclear weapons from Pakistan and smuggling it into the United States. Twenty-six Afghan police and soldiers killed in Taliban siege. Fire at the home for elderly in central China kills at least 38 people. Two dead, several hurt in shooting at Grand Forks, North Dakota, Walmart. Did you read about that? That just happened. Gay vicar. A vicar is like a pastor in England. Gay vicar pushes Church of England to celebrate transgender identity like a baptism. You know, wants to have a new ordinance celebrating this procedure. Marine court, uh, marine court-martialed for refusing to remove Bible verse. What would you say, Greg? You'd say, whoa, You'd say that's a good thing. But 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 look at the penalty this marine is experiencing. How about this? IRS, our friends in the IRS, IRS says hackers stole tax data from 100,000 households. That's good news, isn't it? Nine dead as 29 weekend shootings rock Baltimore. Folks, that's just a sampling. That's not ancient history. These are current events. I have to tell you, they don't conjure up much hope. In fact, you find yourself uh, being weighted down and immersed in hopelessness. We need hope in a day when things do seem on every front to be so hopeless. Specifically, we need the hope that God is still enthroned and at work. And we need the hope that God is and that, and that God sees and that God knows and that God is good and that God is in control. And Paul says the Old Testament can give us. Yes, even the Old Testament. Yeah, even Chronicles and Leviticus and Numbers. Even the Old Testament, whatever was written in earlier times, can give us hope. That's what it says. How? Well, to begin with, they're available to us. Did you know that? We neglect the Old Testament too much, but they're available to us, to give us hope. I mean, the Old Testament scriptures can't do a thing for us if they are not there for us. And they are. And so the text says, for whatever was written, was written in earlier times, says it again, was written. Two times it says that. They were written. They're available. They're accessible. No secret, no mystery that God is withholding, the Old Testament Scriptures, which Paul says is of value, namely that it can conjure up hope, are available. They're within reach. They were written. The Old Testament Scriptures were written down in the same manner in which the New Testament Scriptures were. Listen to this. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. <laughs> New Testament men moved by the Holy Spirit wrote what they heard from God, and that's true of Old Testament writers as well. Second Peter tells us how we got Scripture, not just New Testament Scripture, Old Testament Scripture as well. God moved the writers of the Old Testament so as to write... What they wrote, and they wrote what they wrote so that what they wrote can be read by us so that when we read it, we could have hope. Are you reading the whole Bible over time? Are you reading even the Old Testament? I have to tell you, you won't find much hope in the daily newspapers. (laughs) You have to look long and hard to find good news in the bad news of the day. The only place you can really go to to find real hope is the Word of God. The totality of it all, 66 books starting from Genesis, not starting from Matthew, starting from Genesis. Paul would remind us that the Old Testament is a very available and accessible source of hope so as to keep us from becoming hopeless. How does it do this? You know, you read in the Old Testament... And you read about people just like you or worse. It's unbelievable. You see human nature. And then when you see those humans turn to God, you see divine nature. That's what you see in the Old Testament. You see humankind at its worst, and you see God at his best. And you see that chapter after chapter in the Old Testament. And you say, oh God, if you are like that to those who turn to you, you probably are still like that with one like me who has turned to you. And your gracious, merciful, compassionate, and forgiving response to those who didn't deserve it in the Old Testament is just what I need today. And since you're unchangeable, the same, even in the New Testament, as you were in the Old Testament. Therefore, I can count on you forgiving me, pardoning me, changing me, transforming me, accepting me, contingent upon my repentance, and turning to you, just as I see you did with the characters of the Old Testament. It could give you hope. You know what else the Old Testament does in terms of giving you hope? You find out how God masterfully is able to use and weave together all the badnesses of bad people in spite of them. Lots of bad people in Old Testament days, just like today. It's enough to make you want to wring your hands and pull out your hair and, you know, I don't know, dig a hole and stick your head in it and not come out. It's really really bad. But then when you read the Old Testament, you're hopeful because you see people in spite of themselves. All their evil and degrading and corrupted deeds. You find out that God who is sovereign has the capacity. A oh, good God has the capacity to make use of the stuff of bad people so as to produce good. And you see as he was in the Old Testament, so he is today because this I don't did you know this there's a lot of bad people on the thrones of the nations of the world. Holy Toledo. Really? Yeah, even in Toledo, it's not so holy. I mean, they're all over. Bad people, evil people. You, you say, say, oh, God, what are we going to do? Where's their hope? What? Look to the Old Testament, how God used everyone, in spite of themselves, so as to affect his redemptive plan. It gives us hope. Reading the Old Testament, you know what it does? It produces exactly what we need so much In this tumultuous day, the text says, what are those things? Perseverance and encouragement. Look, I'll read it to you. For whatever was written in earlier times, make no mistake about it, that's the Old Testament, was written for our instruction so that through, here we go, perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. You know what perseverance is? Perseverance is what you need to keep going God says the Old Testament can conjure that up in your life. Perseverance comes from Scripture. Perseverance means to abide under. Oh my goodness, you say. I can't go on any longer. I am under pressure. Yeah, perseverance means to stay under it until it accomplishes what it is meant to do. Well, that's nice. How can I do it? Read the Old Testament. That's what Paul says. Perseverance comes from, is sourced in. God uses the vehicle of the Old Testament to help us persevere while under the most excruciating and difficult events. That's what it says. Not only perseverance, it talks about encouragement. That's like one of my favorite words. Encouragement, that's one word for us. But in the language of the day, Greek, it's like a compound word. One word made up of two. Here are the two words. para. And then kaleo. Absolutely cool words. The word para means alongside of. Kind of like parallel. Two parallel lines run alongside of one another. That's what it means. Alongside of. Para and then kaleo. That means to call out to. You know what encouragement it is? It's God coming right alongside of us, even in the midst of the most difficult situations we've ever experienced. And he is running alongside of us, calling out to us. You know what he's saying? Hang in there. You could do it. You will overcome. My grace is sufficient for you. And how does he do it? Through the Old Testament. Which means we miss out on God being our cheerleader if we're not immersed in in the Old Testament as much as we are in the New Testament. Yeah. God is calling out. You could do it. You'll finish the race. I know it. I'll get you there. The work I began in you will be completed. I'll finish it. I'll tell you the outcome. One day I'll present you before me, and you'll be presented holy and blameless and beyond reproach. I know you're gasping for air. I know you want to quit and drop out. Don't do it. Don't do it. And here's God running right alongside of us, encouraging us, calling out to us, keep going, keep going. You're a victor. I'll give you the victory. But we don't don't get that if we cut ourselves off from from the Old Testament. Somewhere else in the New Testament, God said something about the Old Testament. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. He said, Now these things happened to them. What things? Well, he was talking about a lot of the things, events of the Old Testament. And he said, now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. That's us. Things are winding down. Did you know that? Things are moving to a grand climax. You know what it's going to be? I have no idea. Don't buy books that purport, in which the author purports to know. Come on. We don't know. It's a good thing we don't know the date. You know why? We'd shut down until about 10 minutes before that date. Then we'd get it together. God wants us to live today as if the... Time of his return could be at any time. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 is saying all these things in the Old Testament, they're an example. They were written for our instruction. Old Testament episodes were written to help New Testament Christians to persevere and to be encouraged. In other words, the Old Testament was written in earlier times, but it contains timeless truths. I'm telling you, not so much us, but there are whole churches in which you'll never hear any preaching from the Old Testament. There won't be any Bible studies in the Old Testament. Isn't that an unfortunate term? This is man's term, Old Testament. You see, old stuff is what you want to discard. Maybe we should start calling it First Testament and Second Testament instead of old. Nobody likes old stuff. I want new stuff. You want an old car? No, I want a new car. You want an Old Testament? No, I want a New Testament. First Testament, Second Testament. Paul says the First Testament, though not written directly to us, is definitely written for us. You see, forever whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Hope! You know what that is? It's confidence that our good God is very much at work in our bad day. That's what hope is. Yeah. God's at work. Mm-hmm. You can really see this in an Old Testament book. It's one of my favorites. It's called Habakkuk. It's actually in Hebrew pronounced Ch- Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And whenever I talk about it, I invite the listeners uh, to say that with me. It's really a lot of fun. So on three, we go Habakkuk. Okay, are you ready? It's got to be like a real throaty. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, what a mess you made of the person sitting directly in front of you. Yeah, Habakkuk. You know what it means? It means to embrace. That's a a cool name. And if you read it, you find out how Habakkuk embraced God. You know how he embraced God? Through praise? No, through complaint. Did you know complaining is a legitimate form of prayer? I mean, who else are you going to complain to? Except the one who could do something about it. So Habakkuk's complaining. You know, what, you know what he's complaining about? He's saying, God, everything is wrong, is bad. He's saying, God, you say, other in your scripture, you're good and you're in control. But I got to tell you something, God, with all due respect, there's a bunch of bad stuff happening and you don't seem to be much in control at all. I mean, everyone's calling the shots, but you. Do you really know what's going on? Oh, God. And then he has two questions which haunt humankind. We all ask him. Here's the first one. He said, Why? You can check this out. He said, why is this going on? When was the last time you asked that? I mean, like two seconds ago. I mean, that's our thing. And then the second question, which plagues humankind, is how long? Why and how long? Yeah, we all ask those. So Habakkuk asks those questions, and God responds. This is in the Old Testament. You know what God says? He said, Habakkuk, I'm doing something in your day. You could not fathom, even if I were to tell you. That's what the father said to a little complaining kid. You can complain as a little kid to God. But God said, even if I chose to explain things to you, you wouldn't get it. Therefore, he said to Habakkuk, just trust me. I'm in control. So you know where I got that? I got that from the Old Testament. The Old Testament enables me to persevere, even though I don't have good answers to the why and how long question. And the Old Testament Habakkuk has encouraged me to be hopeful about the fact that God is very much at work doing good things in our bad day. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He does not take a day off. He's on duty all the time so that I can rest, even in a really bad day, knowing a good God can make use even of bad stuff folks, don't neglect the Old Testament. The more we can know about what God has done, the stronger will be our confidence in what God will do, you see. So let me tell you something about reading the Old Testament. It's this. Nobody can do it for you. You have to kind of dive in yourself. You have to to take a bite out of it. and You have to Chew on it, and you have to digest it, and, and only you can do those things. For you, you have to do all those things yourself. That's a problem because we're really lazy Bible people. We want somebody to take a bite out of some tasty morsel for us, chew on it, and uh, then I suppose put it in our own mouths. Have you ever? Have you been recently to one of our national parks? If you go to certain national parks. Uh, The park ranger will tell you verbally or give you something written written on a sheet of paper and it'll say, don't feed the bears. You know why? Well, because the bears may end up feeding on you. That's one of the reasons. But there's another reason why they tell you not to feed the bears. It's this. Every year in the national parks that have bears, uh, the park staff, every fall and winter find themselves having to carry off the dead bodies of many bears. You know why? somehow they've lost their ability to find and chew on their own food they're so used to goofy people like us going there delighted to feed them that they have lost their capacity to feed themselves and they die they become so used to people providing food for them and that seems to be what is happening to us spiritually. We can become so totally dependent on what others feed us out of the Bible that we never develop our ability to feed ourselves. Do you know the majority of people in the body of Christ limit their feeding on the Word of God to... Sunday and they go without spiritual food the other six days of the week isn't that interesting I can't wait to get to church on Sunday so I could be fed feed me it's okay but not if that's the only source of food then you lose your ability to chew on Scripture, reflect on it, meditate on it for yourself. Someone is chewing it for you, and then there's a spitting it out, and you just try to catch it in your mouth, you know, and you just become dependent, on, too dependent on somebody. You know, but the last time I checked, Jesus died so that you and I could have a personal relationship with him. Not merely a corporate relationship with Him. Oh no, this is part of it. But you know, this is not the main part of the Christian life. The main part of the Christian life is the personal relationship with Almighty God. We talk to Him, that's called prayer. He talks to us, that's called the Word of God. But we're like dead bears. We die because we've lost the ability to feed ourselves. Don't do that read the Old Testament on your own. And even though initially it's difficult, it's confusing, you don't get much out of it, it's distasteful, you will develop a taste for it. Um, I remember as a kid, my mother used to give us liver. Liver. My mother hated us. <laughs> Who gives a kid liver? Liver. Liver. Oh, it was just terrible. Unbelievable. And now, years later, I really love liver. Do not tell my mother. I love liver. Liver and onions, mashed potatoes. Isn't that good... Put a bunch of ketchup on that stuff? Yeah. Maybe some bluebell ice cream. <laughs> Taste buds. They mature. That's called maturing. Growing. You know how kids are. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. And you, and you grow older. And you, you like things. You... Hitherto did not lie. It's kind of like that with the word of God. I know this is the case because someone else, Jeremiah, wrote this in the Old Testament. Jeremiah said in chapter 15, verse 16, he said, God, your words were found, and I ate them. And he said, and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I have been called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah implies initially your word was not tasty to me. Your words were found, they're accessible, they're available. I latched onto them, I took a bite out of them, I started to chew. It was a little bitter, but your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Why? Well, it makes sense. I'm called by your name. These are your words. I'm your kid. I should develop a liking for what you have to say. Folks, there's hope and there's encouragement in the Old Testament scriptures. And the main encouragement you and I can find, even in the Old Testament, is the promise of God of a Savior to come. Yeah, even in the Old Testament. There, you can find it in Genesis chapter 3. Verse, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. I don't want you to be like a dead bear. You go home and check out Genesis chapter 3. See if you can find the first verse in Scripture that gives us messianic hope. Hope of a Messiah coming. See if you can find hope of Messiah in the first book of the Bible. I won't read it to you. I won't tell you where it is. You should find it. Come on, take a bite out of it. The first and primary (coughs) encouraging word in the Bible is of a promised Messiah. And folks, God God has kept his word. He sent the enfleshed word of God to suffer and die, rise and ascend back into heaven and come again. And to access him, he's left us with the written Word of God, which is why the very attributes of the enfleshed Word of God, Jesus, are identical to the attributes of the unscripturated Word of God. Do you want to get to know Jesus? Then you have got to start chewing on His Word. Well, where's His Word? It starts in Genesis, and it ends in Revelation. And even that which was written in earlier times is written for our instruction. My fellow uh, Christians, uh, may God in the days ahead give us an appetite, a hunger, and a delight and a joy in his word more than ever, ever before. Please don't uh, let us who stand in places like this create an undue dependence on us so that if you're away from us, you go without food. It's there for you. It is accessible. It is written. You have it in any translation of your choice. I hope it's a good one. But, but dig in. Start reading. Don't worry about passages like that one in Exodus, which talk about a golden candelabra. And you can't figure out what it's there all about. It's your job just to show up for class, and it's God's job to illuminate the Scriptures. And why should he do it if you're not even showing up? For class. Whatever is your Bible reading plan, don't leave the Old Testament out. Lord Jesus, thank you for this treasure. Treasure. Admittedly, we've devalued it and are distracted from it. We read so many books about it. Christian books. They may be good, but they're not the best. No book can give us perseverance, encouragement, and hope like your word, because it's living and active. It reads us while we think we're reading it. It has a dynamic so that it could attach itself to that very area of need we are now experiencing. Three people could read the same chapter, Lord, and you can use it in three different ways. Oh, God, forgive us. I suppose because of its availability, we take it too lightly. Would you put it within us? To invest more time in simply reading your word, Old Testament and New Testament, so that we could get to know you more and even become more like you. And this we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.